Welcome, everyone, to another Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We wanted to uh, talk a little World Baseball Classic today, and we, we efforted J.J. We tried very hard to get uh, Ben Badler, who, and it was Ben's idea. Ben was uh, geeked and awake in Fukuoka, Japan, but the Internet, not as cool as we thought. We got, like, three questions attempted to Ben, and he attempted three answers, and the to, Internet did not uh, cooperate. To, so, to summarize, Ben is having a great time seeing Team Cuba. Cuba That's seeing the Cuban national team was, he said, just awesome. And he started to say that they have guys on their bench. We assume that he was going to – we know that they have guys on their bench. We assume <laughs> that he was going to say that they have guys on their bench who are very talented. But we'll, we'll get more about that uh, when he's back. And, and yeah, Ben comes back uh, Thursday-ish uh, Eastern time. So, uh, you know, he's got a 20-hour flight on the way back. So <laughs> – uh, but we're very excited. Uh, you know, it's part of you know, Baseball America as part of this. Uh, you know, about a year and four months ago, was purchased by Source Interlink Media, and we're part of the Grind Media division therein. And first of all, that allowed us to do some cool things, like send Ben to the World Baseball Classic in Fukuoka. We've never sent anyone. Uh, we haven't sent anyone to the Far East in 24 years. I wasn't working here, but we did send someone to Seoul, Korea, for the 1988 Olympics. But since then, we really haven't done anything like that. So it was pretty amazing. Uh, for me, to be a BA, BA that long that we were able to uh, you know, send someone to, to Japan. We also uh, thought that the we, we'd be able to do this new digital mag with to preview the World Baseball Classic, and I tweeted about it, and we put it on Facebook. I want to apologize to people who are listening to this podcast and like the WBC. You're probably looking for this guide, and I'm really sorry that it didn't go online, but um, we we made some technical issues there, and we're going to put the content up to preview pool C and D today at BaseballAmerica.com. So I apologize. Uh, JJ and I obviously are passionate about this and uh, had a great product, and we're just sorry that we weren't able to bring it to you for various reasons that aren't worth getting into. But uh, we do think uh, we're going to be able to continue doing really cool things as part of Grind Media, and one of them was sending Ben to Japan, JJ. And it's just been fun to follow his coverage because he's done uh, some really neat stuff out there from talking about the, the Brazilian team to China's team uh, to watching Cuba take batting practice and, and the talent that's obvious there. And the takeaway, so we're going to give you our takeaways from Pools A and B, preview a little bit of season D, Pool C and D. But, J.J., Pool A uh, there in, in Japan, what's been the biggest story for you? Has it been – because there's no surprises necessarily right. on the field. I think there was because right. to me – and we just got done watching it. This morning, uh, I admit I got up at 5. You watched it. Uh, I didn't watch it. I got up at 5, so I, I didn't watch it everything. It started at 3.30. Yeah. I'm, I'm not that diehard. I'm diehard. I'm not that diehard. But got up at 5. And watch the final innings of Brazil, China, which I've said it before. I love one of the things I love about the new format now is that now that teams know third place, correct, stay in. You don't worry about qualifiers or anything. If you don't, go home. You worry about qualifiers next time. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. You're talking if you're about in. You're in the Premier Twelve. You're basically in the World Cup. That's mm-hmm. the new World Cup tournament. Um, well, this is the World Cup now. World Baseball Classic is right. baseball's biggest event. But IBAF's other tournament is the Premier 12, and the top 12 nations from the WBC automatically qualify for that event in 2015. And so China and Brazil were both playing. Brazil had played very gallantly. I mean, Brazil had, had Japan on the ropes. Japan, Brazil had threatened both Japan and Cuba. Right. I do think in some ways... I, again, it was very it was impressive what they did. I think China had the smarter approach. I, I think that in some ways you could put this on the two managers 
Barry Larkin, manager of Brazil, and John McLaren, the manager for Team China. These are guys, these are the people that we're most familiar with as baseball fans. Barry Larkin, a Hall of Famer. John McLaren, a former big league manager with the Mariners. And Barry Larkin threw Andre Rienzo against Cuba. And Andre Rienzo pitched great against Cuba. He gave mm-hmm. up one run that was an inherited runner that, that scored. Uh, he dealt for four innings. He kept Brazil in the game against a superior team. And and if, if you said the kryptonite of Team China's lineup, which, I mean, <laughs> air <laughs> is kryptonite. So part yeah, of, exactly. you know, most of Team China's It's not exactly a lineup of, uh, it's not murderer's row. Yeah, you really can't use that analogy because that's making China out to be Superman. Right. That's <laughs> true. But if you said what completely shuts them down, it's velocity because they do not see premium velocity Really, I in the in a, on a domestic level, they they never see it. We saw that. They, right. The 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 typical team China pitcher pitching in this tournament was eighty two, eighty four. Yeah, I mean, it was like a you know uh, the best case scenario would be that these guys were like Nick Petrie of Missouri State, uh, who I, had a one ERA last year, throwing about that velocity. I'll put it this way, and they did a great job competing in all this. There are a lot of pitchers for this team that, like, if they went to the Woodlands. Or <laughs> right. you know, or you know, think of American Heritage and all. It'd be like, I'm sorry. These are like college, you know, pitchers who don't have projection. That's the difference. They're like, so you see some guys with throw 82, 84 in college in Division One. They're usually submarine guys or sidearm guys, or they're like Nick Petrie in Missouri State, where they have premium command and really good life on their pitches. But they've competed, and I really think that the, the, the difference here is that John McLaren lined up his best pitchers to face Brazil. The, and they, and, and and they br- said and it before. And Barry Larkin didn't. And, and you did a story that is lost to the ages. Not lost, but just never, no one ever saw. That John McLaren and Team China's realistic expectation was beat Brazil. That's our goal. Not have they to said, go to it's not that we don't want to compete. <clears throat> we want to compete as much as we can against Japan. We want to compete as much as we can against Cuba. But they could have gotten run ruled in the fourth inning right. in each of those games, and if they beat Brazil, it's a successful tournament. They didn't get run ruled. They I'm, c- I'm not knocking Barry Larkin because guess what? Brazil almost beat Japan, and Brazil almost and if they, beat. And Cuba. if Brazil had beaten Japan, all this is moot. Absolutely. And and the, and the thing is, there uh, there are merits to both approaches. The merits to Barry Larkin's approach is. Let's shoot for the moon. Why can't Brazil advance? What would this do for baseball in Brazil if we do win two games and win in this event? I don't think I need my ace or my number two pitcher to beat China. I think I can beat him with my and, three. So I don't blame him for that it, level of confidence. It just didn't work out. And especially, i got to point out, their approach came within, I would say that they were about two outs short of it working because what happened was yeah. they got to the eighth. Yeah, they were winning 2-1, correct? They were winning 2-1. They got to the 8th, and really they did not want to bring their closer in ideally till the ninth. Diago Vieira. Yeah, and instead they brought him in in the 8th. And I'm not saying that – I mean, the reality is, is he failed. He, I mean, right. he, he had a bad day. And the reality is he had a 6 ERA in the Venezuelan Summer League right. last year. So it's not like we're talking about – you know. Yeah, well, they weren't bringing in Marana Rivera. They then brought in Daniel uh, – Or Pedro Lazo they, to put they it in the WBC the, the best guy in the eighth inning pitching for him was a 16-year-old. That's Daniel Masaki. Daniel Masaki was the guy who got him out of the inning. But they went to him. They went to Vieira. He struggled. And then uh, at that point it basically fell apart because, th- again – with these teams who are basically fighting for third, the pitching staffs are just not deep. Right. And so what happened is, is at that point, there were no good options. He tried to go, you know, okay, bring in the lefty, couldn't find the strike zone. Then he brought in Masaki. Masaki got him out of it, but by then it was too late. 
But they really did. They were only about two outs away. I think if you could have brought in Vieira, clean inning to start an inning in the ninth, they probably you, you're talking about Brazil right now. JJ, which uh, which which, uh, which team do you think? Which nation do you think MLB is better for MLB in the long run winning this? You think it would have been better for Brazil, a Western nation of 200 million people, burgeoning economy it's in the Western Hemisphere, has some baseball tradition, uh, or is it better for China, more than a billion people? You know, economic. I just was listening to NPR this morning. They're talking about projecting economic growth of 7.5 percent. Uh, you know, which is better for MLB? China advancing and being a little bit – basically staying around baseball or Brazil winning, which could have maybe uh, maybe been a little bit more of a springboard for a country that's obviously soccer mad, but that's starting to stir a little bit baseball-wise. I think China, and just because I don't think that this is in any way a, a death knell for Brazil baseball. I agree. I think for Brazil baseball, this is still – this is just a step. Look, this was a big step that they got to this point. Right. For China – who's been on this stage. China won a game in the 2009 World Baseball Classic, which is why they're here in Correct. 2012. China beat, you know, to beat Taiwan. China beat Taiwan in the 2008 Olympics. China had a professional baseball league that has basically gone dormant because of financial reasons. All the momentum for China that built up in 06, 08, 09, if they go 0 for this tournament, they have to go back to the qualifier. They're not part of the Elite 12 that move on to the new, you know, right. IBAF tournament. You take all those things. If they, if all those things are true, I think China takes a giant step backwards. Instead, now they have a lot of, they have this to point to. To build. You know, the thing that was awesome was watching the celebration at the end of it. For one thing, that was awesome was this again beyond how John McLaren and all and the, you know, Art Howe, Bruce Hurst, how the staff, how they set it up to to aim everything at the Brazil game. The amazing part of it was is that China's lineup had two hitters. Right. You know, they had Lee, the second baseman, and they have Ray Chang, who's the the Ray the Babe Chang's Ruth team. of Chinese yeah. baseball, really. I mean, if you're if there ever is a Chinese baseball of fame, he's inducted in the inaugural class. He's the guy who got the big hit back in 09. He here you are, Ray Chang. He's as this trouble starts in the eighth, you're like, okay, they're two they're you know, Lee's in the hole, Chang, you know, is four away. Okay, Lee's on deck, Chang, you know. And then if you're China, pretty much you're trying to figure out how do we get Ray Chang up? <laughs> and they did. How do we get to Ray Chang? How do we get to Ray Chang? As Ray Chang said, told our Ben Battler after the game, you know, Ray Chang had to do what Ray Chang can do, which <laughs> he didn't awesome. mean that. You know, they, he means that in, from the standpoint of, because at one point in this, he was trying to hit over. Are there pronouns in Chinese? Yeah. I mean, you, you would know. Are there personal Not pronouns? Not really, if I remember correctly. Maybe he just... Speaking yeah. Chinese and spoken in you know, but but what he means by that though is is that he's not he got a little bit trying to do too much early and it's like I'm trying to hit homers and all that, which is not his he game. He's trying to be the Babe Ruth of China. Right. He just needs to be the right Chang of China. Right. And so instead he lined a ball in the gap. That's the but watching when the game was over, the celebration, you know, their guys were tears in their eyes. Like Wei Wang, you know, who the catcher who's been on a basically future team China manager Wei Wang. Probably. You know, and what you're talking about is, for him, he's been all through this. And really, I think for some of those guys, they had a couple of pitchers who this is probably their last game that they ever, they'll ever play as well. Team China number 17, for example. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, so what you're, for them, this is validation of the work that they've done. Because right. in many ways, if they lose this game to Brazil, they leave, the this, they leave this in no 
better shape in many ways than what they brought came in. Instead, they leave this with a wonderful gift for the teammates who are going to be there in 2017, which is, hey, you're back. Yeah. You know that you're going to be in, you're going to be in, they'll have been in every World Baseball Classic there is. That's, that's something for a, a, a baseball program that is really still very, very, I mean, at the very immature stage. And the thing that Ben Badler has a story about it, that we you can go to BaseballAmerica.com right now. The thing that was, you know, that he, when he was talking to scouts about them, they said, you look at, I mean, you may think that this team, you know, because they do, they lack tools. They, I mean, they're really, as Ben put it, said, besides speed, I don't know if anyone had a, uh, you know, a, a, had a 40-grade you know, tool. A, a tool, but they're a lot better than they were in 2009. Yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of praise uh, well-earned for John McLaren. The, the other, obviously, the fascinating aspect of this is Japan and Cuba. These are the better teams. I mean, clearly we're into we're into Brazil and China, clearly, but Japan and Cuba are the two teams that are advancing, and I, I think everybody wants to know. So, who's the next, you know, Japanese star to come to the U.S.? I'm not sure that all the best Japanese players are on this team, and if they are, they're not. They're, they swept walk through the first round, JJ. Well, and the thing is, Japan has shown this ability. I think internationally, a lot of scouts like to talk about how Cuba turns it on and turn it off. I think Japan's trying to take a page out of that book. They did. They were in cruise control in the pool A in the first round, and we'll see if Japan can turn it on. You did our preview for the preview mag. Um, what was your impression of Japan in the first round and in, in first round play, and can they turn it up to another level in the second round? The the thing that to me is very disconcerting for Japan is is that Kenta Maeda, who is probably their number two pitcher on I this. I think you have to say that a little bit slower because it sounded like you said Kenta Maeda. Yeah, but <laughs> Kenta, Kenta Maeda. Maeda. <laughs> He, he, in the workouts before the WBC, which I think is a giant advantage that Japan has, is they spent right. a week basically to cut Two down. Weeks. Yeah, they were February 15th is when their right. team drills started. And then they cut down after a week of that. They said, okay, here's our 28-man roster. Team USA, all these other teams are not saying, okay, let's look at guys and determine. Right. We're just saying, who's coming? Please come. Right. Um, but Maeda at that, was not showing his normal velo. Normally, this is a guy who's low 90s. He was low to mid-80s. He was pitching at China speed in their workouts. And then he goes, he was a little better, but still in the in the first round here, his fastball's not there. Yeah, he was mid to upper 80s. I mean, and if like you 80, take, 89. and Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka had a really poor first outing as well. I'll write that off as, okay, he had a bad outing. We still expect more out of him. But, the thing that Japan's always had in this tournament has been that they have, it's not just they have a pitcher. Right. They have a 1-2, one, 1-2-3 two, one, two, punch. And this is what we talked about, actually, in the podcast that was embedded in this preview mag oh, that we didn't release. two hours of glorious. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was deep. But we talked about that the schedule for the first round really favors Japan and Cuba because the other three pools were all very contentious, we think. And we'll talk about Pool B in a second. But now you have Japan, Cuba, Taiwan, Netherlands advancing. Um, Japan, I say, out of those four teams, was the least impressive, played the least impressively, had the least impressive victories relative to what was expected of them. But they got some rust. They knocked off some rust. I feel like Japan can turn it on in the second round. I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to play better. They're going to have to pitch better, J.J. But I also think it's fair to say, after watching one round and after reading your preview, there is no, there's no you Darvish on this team. And there's no Daisuke Matsuzaka on this team. There's no. no one guy who stands out from the rest of the guys. Tanaka and Maeda are supposed to be their aces, but from the first time 
Dice K was well established in 2006. Dice K had already been the best pitcher in Japan for seven years. Dice K was a, was a rock star in Japan for Japan's team in 2000 when he was at the Olympics. He was already their star. So there's no Dice K on this team, and there's no Darvish. There's no Persian Japanese <laughs> player walking through that door. So Japan's going to have to also. I, I was very unimpressed. I've been unimpressed so far with their offense. So we got to see a little more offense. I have been impressed with Cuba's offense, JJ. Oh, yeah. And and the thing is, this is a little bit of a transition team for Cuba. Yes, you have um, Frederick Cepeda, who's playing in his third World Baseball Classic. I think he's like 12 for 25 in WBC play. I mean, the guy just – he's Mr. Automatic. He's the best Cuban player you don't hear about because if you hear you hear about the defectors or you hear about the – everyone knows Yuleski Gurriel. Or if you're, if you're a really deep World Baseball Classic or international guy, you know Ariel Pastano is the guy everybody loves to hate, mm-hmm. you know. But Frederick Cepeda just goes out there. He has a kind of a bad body by big league standards. Um, he switch hits. He gets hits. He was the hero of the 2004 Olympics for Cuba. He made this great disputed catch against Australia in the gold medal game. It wasn't a catch. <laughs> and But he makes plays. He makes winning plays over and over again. He's, he's hitting again. He's in the middle of that lineup. But they've also got young talent, JJ. And this is the first WBC for me. This is the coming out party for Erisbel Aryubaruena who is uh, the cricket, as they keep calling him, because why is it not more fun to say Ariwe Bariwena? I mean, I'd much rather say that. But uh, this is Jose Iglesias with offense. That's basically what this is. Don't forget Jose Iglesias. We remember that he's no good right now and that he can't hit and he gets overmatched. But he did get $6.25 million when he signed. So right. think of what would happen if Arisbel Ariwe Bariwena came out. And then Jose I'm glad you're D- pronouncing his name, by the way. And, and Jose Dariel Abreu, J.J., I was always thinking as I pictured this guy and as I watched some video in Cuba from a couple years ago, this guy's body was not as cleaned up as it is now. This guy's a beast. He is the Carlos Rodon of WBC because I keep saying that. My wife makes fun of me for saying Carlos Rodon is a beast. This guy, he just looks like he should walk in the middle of a major league lineup hitting three-hole. What a monster. That's the thing Like that Ben, talking to Ben this week, it's like watching this guy. You just, I mean – you see what Ioannis Hesedis did right. last year. This guy, I, it would be interesting to see if, if, if he did not make it back to Cuba, how much money would be thrown at him. Because he's he, he's a right, right first baseman, so you'd think not that you – know, you, you wonder about the profile, but there's no doubt about the power with this guy. I mean, absolutely no doubt about the power with uh, with Dariel Abreu, uh, Jose Abreu. And, uh, I mean, he's just fun to watch, and Ben has tweeted about – watching him take BP. And the thing is, the reason I bring him up is I'm not even sure he's their best player. I think that's still Despagne or Gurriel. Mm-hmm. Gurriel's an infielder and a you know, third baseman and then you know, and probably profiles better for the big leagues than some of these other guys because he has the, a classic big league body. Um, and then you look at Bell, Alexi Bell and Despagne. They're both kind of Kirby Puckett type bodies. Mm-hmm. So I think they could be good big leaguers. I think it's also possible they could not succeed. They're not classic guys. Although, you know, the shorter the arms, the le- the less, the fewer holes you have in your swing. I'm all in on Bell and Despagne myself. But Abreu looks the part. I mean, outside of the fact that he plays first base, there's no negatives. He just, I would love to see Jose Abreu come to the U.S. So it would be nice if we just had normal relations with Cuba and they could come here or they could not. That That would be wonderful. That's not the world we live in. The thing that does concern me going forward for Cuba is the pitching to me yeah. has been exactly what we thought it was before the 
tournament started, which is Dennis Green pitching staff. They are who we thought they were. That it, it's guile, it's location, it's breaking balls, but there is some attack mode, but it's not big league attack mode. There's no Chapman. There's no Contreras. So it doesn't mean that their pitching's bad. No. I, I wouldn't say their pitching's been bad. No. But and the, the always the advantage of playing the WBC in March uh, is that you know Cuba's in midseason form. Nobody else is. You know, no one else is in midseason form. But this is when City Nacional would be starting its playoffs in March. So Cuba, those guys are in top tip top shape. So they're not warming up to anything. Right. There's no guy on the Cuban roster who's in the mid to upper 80s now, and he's getting used to the WBC ball, and he's getting warmed up for the coming 140-game season. That's not happening like it is for the Japanese players. And it shows that even though I agree with you, there's no premium pitcher on this staff, at least that that we've seen yet, but they are in top form. And you do see – we saw more 90-mile-an-hour velocity out of guys like Alvarez or uh, – I forget the pitcher's name starts with an I. I have to check my roster on my Baseball America World Baseball Classic iPad app. Um, I'm going to keep on talking about this but and make myself yeah, no, but, myself well, but my point I was trying to make, though, is, is that I do think what we've seen, you know, already. And we'll get, Iglesias is what we'll, I was talking we'll about. Get to, we'll get to Pool B in a minute. But what we've seen already, okay, we have Cuba and Japan coming out of Pool A. We have the Netherlands and Taiwan, Taiwan coming out of Pool B. I think if you were ever going to have a year that a North American, you know, non-Cuban North American club wins this thing, or, you know, because really there hasn't been one that's, you know, there, it's been, you know, the Japan, South, South Korea is already out of it. Right. Cuba is in the first, you know, final. Right. What we're seeing now is, though, is, is I do think that these teams, if you said compare, a, compare 2009, these clubs, to now, they're not as good as the 09 clubs. Right. I mean, in each of the two previous WBCs, Japan has won it and South Korea has been in the semifinals in each of the previous two. Mm-hmm. The teams from the, so that the teams from the Far East have been the same. The teams from the West, quote-unquote West, Dominican and Cuba made it in 2006. Mm-hmm. The U.S. and Venezuela made it in 2009. Mm-hmm. So, so we already have one team eliminated that's been there. And let's, let's talk about Pool B, JJ. South Korea, and in the preview that's lost to the ages, we talked about, the fact that South Korea um, has evolved really as an international team from a team where everybody kind of looked a little bit more like Shinshu Chu, mm-hmm. athletic guys with some speed and slashers, to where more of the guys looked like Hyun Jin Yu, uh, Yu Hyun Jin, uh, who was getting compared to David Wells and not early career David Wells. And frankly, when you watched Korea play defense, they looked like a team that wasn't in tip-top shape and they're, wasn't in top conditioning I, shape, and their defense cost them against Taiwan, and they lose. You want uh, you, they 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 went to they win they go two and one, but they they lose out on the tiebreakers. You want another analogy? They were an early two thousands A's, or take your pick of a. That was a steroid era team, right? And I, I don't think, and I'm not even saying they're not because they're not really. I'm not talking cut. I'm not talking. Oh yeah, no, I don't think they were using. But I don't I'm know. Talking, I have no idea. No. But what I'm talking about though is is that this is like when you think of the. Team Japan is a bunt the guy, advance the runner, sacrifice yourself, get a run in. And so is Taiwan. And so is Taiwan. Korea Korea. is a three-run homer team. Korea was a team that basically had three or four guys that should play DH. And they had to put one in left and had to put one in first base. 
and they never did. They did stay away from what I was thinking. The yeah, uh, Lee Dayho at Lee Dayho at third. They did. I think stay. Lee Dayho at third would have killed himself. <laughs> he would have fa- He would have been. In, uh, he would have been a danger to himself <laughs> and to his teammates. When Lee Dayho came in and caught a foul pop at first base, the catcher had to stop him because that big boy had too much mo, too much momentum. I, lo- I did love on the Again, broadcast. Fat guy making fat jokes. I'm I-, sorry. I love the broadcast where one of the announcers said, you know. Joe McGreen. You said 240 pounds or so, pretty big. And the other guy, and whoever was doing it with him said, try 290. Yeah, listed 240. No, no, he's listed at 286. Some kilograms got lost in there. Yeah, he's listed 286. That's a big boy. And and I just thought, you know, the story of the tournament, JJ, was uh, only you and I (laughs) probably, and maybe some people in Harlem with two A's, uh, some honkball fans, were discussing the strategy of Hensley Bam Bam Mullins. Wow, he didn't throw – Rob Cordeman's against Korea. Why didn't he? Well, this is why. The Netherlands held their ace back for the third game. Rob Cordeman's those five two-hit shutout innings against Australia. So the Netherlands, my darling, obviously, I'm, I'm all about the, ne- the, the Netherlands. Uh, they go two and one. So ta- I guess the really – that's not a surprise to me, JJ. I guess the surprise is Taiwan. And, and you did our Taiwan preview. Taiwan has a very checkered international history. They had some success. They played in the Olympics in 1998 – I mean, 1988, I should say – and they played in 2004. And then they've also had some really bad losses, like having to go through qualifiers for this WBC, losing to China both in the 2008 Olympics and in 2009 WBC. They had the gambling scandal in their own domestic league. It feels like the fact that the domestic league has finally stabilized a little bit and gotten some positive momentum carried over to this WBC team because Taiwan played very well. They had their best players, and they played well enough to advance. The, the thing we talked about in that podcast, Lost Forever, is that Taiwan, a more probably more than almost any team out in this tournament, got all the players they wanted. Yeah, I'm not saying they got everyone, but Korea, Japan, they didn't get their big leaguers. Right, they didn't. Taiwan did, Ta- most of them at least. Cheng Ming Wong's not in the big leagues right now, but. Uh, he he was the guy. He was their moment of truth guy. I mean, he started, the, got their, you know, was their number one, you know, starter for game one, then came in, you know, as well today. So they had, you know, this is actually the most, this is a significantly more talented Taiwanese team, I think. And really what ended up happening in this pool was Australia, which, again, you, you pegged it before it ever started, Australia you have to take our word for it. Trust us. It's there. We, we heard, I heard it myself. But Australia was did not compete. I mean, they were not part of this. This They're was a three-team field where everyone else went, you know, basically two and one. And you, you hate to see it in some ways come down to the way it did. I mean, that— The tiebreaker system, international baseball being a tournament thing, it just throws everybody off. And because it's not college and you can't you know, do whatever you want with the student athletes because you're the NCAA, you can, you can set it up how, whatever meat grinder you want, you don't have double elimination. So And you take away double elimination, honestly, you, there is no good answer. I mean, wouldn't you really rather wouldn't – the, wouldn't you rather have these pools instead of just being a round robin? Be, okay, here's four teams. You're playing regional style, just like the college guys. It would be awesome. That would be awesome, but you're never going to do that never. with professionals. It's never going to happen. <laughs> never. Can you imagine – Right now, you have trouble getting the pitchers. Can you imagine? It's like, well, exactly. We're I can't tell you how many games we're going to play. I can't I tell can't you how many, tell you innings. how many Exactly, and I can't tell you how many pitches. I can't guarantee you we won't use them on two days rest on that last game of the regional. I mean, seriously, if you just do these international teams under regionals, NCAA college baseball style, it would be so effing awesome. I would just 
I, I couldn't contain myself. If you think I can't contain myself now over the WBC, but this is the problem when you don't have the when you have these round robins, you bring in stats. You think if you don't like war, if you don't like wins above replacement, how about TBQ, a stat that only the, you only use in the World Baseball Classic? And the thing about it is, is TBQ makes sense. We we looked at it. We we studied it today because I was trying to myself try to figure out. Wait, so how is Korea eliminated in the eighth and all this? And like, was there incentive for them to walk guys to tie it in the ninth and and all that? But it does make sense because basically what it does is it's runs that you scored divided by innings because you got to do that. Right. Runs you gave up divided by innings, only in the games against the teams you tied. So beating Australia twenty to nothing means nothing for this. And that's it. And this is basically this should be called like the Greece correlate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll take I'll wear it as a Greek American. But I mean, like if you're I know Theon Bordonatis is going to be mad at me for for saying this. But if you have you, you this is to avoid running up the score if Guam is in your tournament mm-hmm. or Guatemala or Greece without its past right. players. So you don't run up the score against the worst teams. So the rule does make sense, but you know, what I wrote in the preview was that you know, John Diebel, the Red Sox scout, uh, who is the manager for Team Australia, he thought this was the toughest bracket. When you look at the IBAF rankings, for some reason Australia is in the top ten internationally. I know I don't get that. I really don't. But Australia is in the top ten in the IBAF rankings, but so are the Netherlands, Taiwan, slash Chinese Taipei, and South Korea. This so statistically, this was the toughest pool. We thought it would, you could make the case it was the toughest pool. And the reason I thought it wasn't was because of Australia. And, but and the reason I didn't think so is uh, here's who Australia was missing. Grant Balfour, Travis Blackley. I'm trying so hard not to do my bad Australian accent. Uh, Liam Hendricks, Trent Olgen, Rich Thompson, also Josh Spence. There were seven Australians who played in the big leagues last year. Six of them were pitchers. They didn't get any of them on right. this Team Australia. And the one hitter who played in the big leagues last year, Luke Hughes, is an unsigned free agent. He played a little bit in the U.S. last year. I think he played a little bit in Japan. He hasn't been signed by any player on either side of the Pacific, any, either league on either side of the Pacific yet. And he had a bad tournament. Justin Huber had a bad tournament. Chris Nellen got hurt. Which Chris Nellen got hurt. He did play in the last game today. And then Brad Harmon, one of their, their other ex-big league hitter, uh, flew out to the base of the warning track off Luke Van Mill. I mean, how awesome is that? that this is a game coming down to Ludovicious Van Mill and Brad Harmon. And Brad Harmon almost takes him deep, but not quite. So the, the Australia's big leaguers let them down offensively, and their big leaguers on the mound let them down by not showing up. Flip it, though. The team that we both thought before, if you said, is there a team in this tournament who I think the, I, I can't say casual fan, because if you're a casual fan, you're not paying attention to this at all. But the person who's not diving deep into the WBC does not realize as good as they are as the Netherlands. Yeah. And we saw that in the first round. Yeah, This absolutely. is legit. It is legit. I mean, I'll be fascinated to watch what they do with their pitching going forward because I think you put Tom Stufbergen back in the bullpen and not start him, and that Cordeman's. Dave Bergman, maybe, um, Chiron Martis, and, and then who started, Mar- and Diago Mar- Markwell. Those should be the guys who get the lion's share of your innings. It is big for them that Luke Van Mill, who's on, been on 40-man rosters and throws hard, that he got the save, but he almost coughed it up to Australia today. The guys getting saves for the Netherlands have been fascinating in this yeah, tournament. Yeah, Leon Boyd and Luke Van Mill, right? Yeah, and uh, 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 Cubs. Former Mark Pollock. Oh, yeah, and Mark Pollock. I forgot they took Leon Boyd out and brought in Mark Pollock, the 2005 Cubs first-round pick, who hasn't pitched in three years. And I thought, you know, and to quote Bones, uh, not Bones McKinney, Bones McCoy from Star Trek, I thought he was dead. <laughs> I mean, uh, this guy comes back from a three years off, and then Bill Mitchell tweets at me in, in early February, hey, I ran into the Netherlands 
team playing a JUCO team, and Mark Pollock was pitching for them. Which was basically his tryout, if I remember. It was, a, it was part of his tryout. And the thing is, they, he's the only lefty they have in the bullpen. So this is a program. This is not just a team. This is not an all-star team hastily assembled. And the Dutch national team is a program that Robert Enoin has put together. This feature ran in the magazine, and our correspondent, Harvey Soccer, did a tremendous job detailing how they've done it. And the guys we talked about are the ones who've done it. And they've gotten some also production, J.J., from uh, Deschenko, Ricardo, Deschenko Ricardo, their catcher, who's in the Giants' farm system, but they really weren't expecting any offense. And he's produced so – the top of their lineup looks like a real lineup. It's You could see like a, a year or two from now, if you had a big league team that had Anderton Simmons, Jonathan Scope, Roger Bernardina, and then they have Vladimir Ballantin and Andrew Jones, that wouldn't look out of place in the major leagues. That's their top five. Would it be a championship lineup no. in the major leagues? No. But it wouldn't look out of place. That This is a good team that can contend with Cuba, the U.S., Venezuela, whoever. It's a good team. And – if the Netherlands won the World Baseball Classic, it would not shock me in the least. And the thing about it is is that this is where I understand people who say, I just don't care about it. Okay, that's fine. You're a baseball fan and you don't care about this. I care about it, but that's fine. I do not understand. I think you are very short-sighted if you're someone who goes, I dislike the WBC. Right. Because if you don't see the, if you don't see the, if you don't see the usefulness of it, because this is what it's useful for. If you take away the WBC... The Netherlands basically plays in their own little, you know, pool over there in Europe. And, yes, they're going to have send guys over to the U.S. to play college ball and all. Right. But and they probably don't do that if they don't, right. if they don't have the World Baseball They have to have to something for. to aim for. And the thing about it is, is that they're building a program. The Netherlands is a, as you said, they have built a baseball program. They plan it from the, I mean, from very young ages. Correct. And they plan, like, how can we help this guy develop? We're going to help you get to the U.S. to play college ball. Then if you're good enough, maybe you go to the pros. If not, you come back. We have a program. You can make money playing. Yes, exactly. You can make money playing baseball here. And maybe, uh, maybe it's just me because I look at everything from the scouting and player development point of view. But winning in international baseball is about the same things. I think Greg Hamilton with Team Canada has seen it. I think that... Robert Einhorn with Team Netherlands has seen it. USA Baseball wishes, as a national team development program, that they could have some say and control over this. And that's what it's supposed to be. I do think there's some element of national team development. That's why you have a guy like Joe Maurer, who played for USA Baseball as a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, 18-year-old, you know, back in 1999. That's why he has a deep well of goodwill where he wants to wear that uniform. He, his bilateral leg weakness kept him from playing in the last World Baseball Classic, uh, and he, he had some spring training injury. It wasn't bilateral leg weakness that year, but he had some spring training injury. I think he had a kidney stone in the offseason. I, I just remember being at the ABCA convention, talking with Paul Seiler of USA Baseball. He got a cell phone call. It was Joe Maurer telling him he was going to have to have surgery sometime soon, so he couldn't play in the WBC. But he wants to play for USA Baseball. That's why he's playing and not Buster Posey. They'd probably rather have Posey, but if memory serves, I think Posey pitched – for Team USA as an amateur, as an 18U team, but didn't play on the college national team. And it's just different for different players have had different experiences. So that national team development, that player development program from the young ages, that's what's happening in Canada and the Netherlands, and that's why they've been better in international play in recent years. And that's why the Netherlands is moving on, I think, because they've developed players. And it's also good for capital B baseball because now we get to watch Andrelton Simmons. And maybe – we would never have seen this. Maybe you know he and Jerickson Profar and Jonathan Scope 
I mean, maybe these guys have ne- would never have developed if the Netherlands didn't have this great national team development program. And they didn't want to talk about it for our story, but I think it's a maybe because I'm American and I can't see past race. But I think it's awesome that the Netherlands has this multicultural team where they've got uh, players of all ethnic background, races, whatever, all playing together on one team. I I just think it's awesome. And they're, there's no, they're my favorite international team, uh, just uh, other than Team Greece. But <laughs> the the thing about it also is is that you you said that it's e- the reality is is that Team USA yeah it's easier for Netherlands because if you're the Netherlands and you're building this program and you're doing it like we're going to do it kind of from the top down right there are no real competing interests I yeah. mean there there are competing interests in that jerks you know that Didi Gregorius jerks and Profar Jonathan Scope all that play for big you know for clubs. But the reality of it is, is that as you're going up, as you're developing it, it's always, you know, kind of if you're if you're on Team Canada, if you come up through Team Canada and you, you know some of the quotes from some of the guys who talk oh, yeah. about how important Team Canada was, the reality is, is if you're a Canadian baseball player, the Canadian national program is a vital part of your development. So many of those guys. It's the reason that you it, it's a big reason why you made it to the big leagues. Right. So it, many of those guys go down to Florida. They play against teams down there because they, they play on the junior national. You, if you're on the junior national team, if you're a high school kid in in Canada and you make the junior national team, you go to Arizona to play junior college teams as training. You go to Florida, so you play better competition. You play guys who are uh, above your age. Great exposure in front of tons of scouts, and this is how you not only play for the Canadian national team. Uh, in the future, this is how you get to college. Mm-hmm. Ryan Kellogg, Aaron and I just talked about it yesterday's podcast. Ryan Kellogg is a Canadian kid from BC who's a weekend starter right now for Arizona State as a freshman. This is because of the development of the Canadian baseball program. So it helps capital B baseball. I appreciate the cynicism about the WBC. It's not the World Cup. It's not Major League. I get that. I understand that. But like you said, there's an obvious efficacy and utilitarian nature of the WBC Beyond just the fact that Ben gets to go to Fukuoka, watch cool baseball that you wouldn't otherwise get to watch, eat meat on a stick, and see giant Willie Mopena posters. <laughs> that part is fun and cool. So there's a minor league, cool, fun aspect of the WBC, and there's a scouting and player development piece that, if you're in the BA world, I just think is obvious and cool. And if you're in the Major League Baseball offices on Park Avenue, you see the money, but I think they also have to see more the development part of this, and that, and encourage more teams to let their Andre Rienzos go pitch, face Cuba, and pitch great, and see how that's positive for development. I've always said, JJ, for me, I, I think if you could slap the WBC should be for big leaguers, but international baseball, if there were an age cap on the rest of it, and you had minor leaguers, those have been the best tournaments. The U.S. has won most of those. I think it helps. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like them better. Um, but I just think it's it's great for young players to be in that crucible and play in these games that matter. And, 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 and I, matter, I love that. I think it helps development. And, again, the the big thing is is that the Olympics are gone. They're probably never coming back That's right. for the, baseball. The, the Olympics are Let's not walking Let's say goodbye to them, essentially, because if it ever shows back up, it's a nice surprise. But the reality is, is those are gone. You have to have much more so than – it's, this is not for the U.S. Right. The U.S., we call it the World Series. Whether, you know, we're not playing the world, but, you know, we call it the World Series. For the U.S., this is always going to probably be, in some ways, a diversion. That's fine. But where the U.S. doesn't need, the U.S. has the World Series and it has the NCAA, you know, championships in yeah. Omaha. You know, you have all those things. Mm. 
But for China, for Brazil, for the Netherlands, for all these countries around the world where you have people, you know, basically devoting their lives to baseball, because like Robert Einhorn has done, right. like Greg Hamilton has done. Lifers, baseball lifers. Like Madam, uh, I wish I forgot, I forgot her name, but the, the president of the Chinese Baseball Federation, this woman who basically – carries it along on you know on her really? shoulder All yeah right. that's cool she was in the dugout for the you know they, they, they did the rule she didn't have to wear a uniform she was in the dugout in her uh, in her dress um, <laughs> that's also but awesome for those people you have to have something that they can point people to right you can't just say we love baseball and that be enough it's enough for them maybe but it's not for you have to have something that when you bring in a 14 year old or a 16 year old and they develop into a 20 year old and a 24 year old they have something to point to say, this is what we're trying to win. Yeah. I mean, you have to have something to point to. You have to have a goal. And a it target. can't be. And it can't be. I mean, again, I, I'm going back to him because I did a story on it that, you know, kind of has gone to the ether. But the Team China players, the players who had tears in their eyes, they didn't have a league last year. They didn't have anywhere to play. They threw bullpens or yeah. took BP just because they wanted to stay involved in the game, even though they were doing it. And it's like. I may not pitch again in an actual game for a year. That's passion for the game. That's love of the game. That's that's uh, that's what Kevin Costner. That should be the sequel. Kevin Costner for for love of the game too. He and Augie should go to China. That would be their next. That would be their next one. The Baseball America podcast with John and JJ. JJ, you're leaving for Phoenix tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Be covering Team USA. Uh, we aren't sending anyone to Puerto Rico, but then uh, you know uh, we'll, we'll be wrapping that up remotely. Then we'll have a correspondent in Miami. Um, for that uh, round, for pool two, uh, and then I'll be in San Francisco for the semifinals and finals. So I think we're all excited about the WBC around here. Uh, JJ, real quick, uh, what are you looking forward to most in pool C with Team USA, uh, joined by Team Canada, Italy, and Mexico? I think what we've seen with this is what the great thing about TBQ is, okay, I, I view that pool as a three-team pool i don't think italy i know that they're a passport team and all that they're they're aiming for a win right they're <laughs> they, sort of like australia i think they actually look a little bit better on paper than right. australia but i think also but so what but what stands out is is that when you look at canada versus mexico or u.s versus canada or mexico versus the u.s do remember as you're watching it the u.s may roll through this thing where they go undefeated in the first round but that's not been their normal that's not been their right. normal mo right if they don't, if they loot, every run matters. That's I mean, right. that's the thing that stands out is, is that you can be, you know, winning 5-3 in the eighth. Getting another run there, not just the, the security it gives you for a three-run you know, lead instead of a two-run lead, that could be the difference between advancing or not. I, I think it's actually probably a really good thing for all the other eight teams, also for the Dominican, Puerto Rico, Venezuela and Spain, which are playing in Pool D and here in Bethorn Stadium. I guess actually that's Pool C in the yeah, U.S. is Pool, pool D. D. Um, but it's good for all those teams to see what just happened to South Korea. Because, A, if you paid any attention to this at all, you know that South Korea was good in the last two WBCs. And if you don't know that, you can learn that pretty quickly. If your manager's B, not telling you that. Right. Then. B, you just saw that Korea went 2-1 and one and still didn't advance. So it should be motivation for all. And then, C, you understand. You don't have to know the formula. It was hard for us to figure out the TBQ formula. But you don't have to know the formula to know that every inning counts, every run counts. Uh, so, uh, so to me, uh, I think it was very g- useful for all these teams. The big questions to me, J.J., are 
how well Italy plays because Italy, you know, we'll see. They do have some big leaguers, Anthony Rizzo and Nick Punto and this and that and the other, Jason Grilly. And having and they a, shouldn't pose a threat. And we've talked about having a shortstop's key because that's the difference between getting yeah. That's the difference between being representative or not. Is if you don't have a shortstop, it all falls. And apart. they have Punto and Jeff Bianchi, so they should have shortstops. I think the whole team key for Team Mexico is. Uh, I haven't seen an update from Tom Hodricourt, but Giovanni Gallardo missed his last uh, spring training start with a little muscle strain. And if he can't pitch, uh-huh. I, I just think Mexico's in a world of trouble. That's so, the difference. I mean, that's a – that he is the most – him, the Canadians getting Joey Votto is huge. I think that Giovanni Gallardo – Might be bigger. Might be bigger because with Giovanni Gallardo, you look at it and say Mexico versus the U.S., it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating. That's game. a pick'em. Mm-hmm. It's a pick'em. At least you keep a team in for five innings uh, in the first round. It's Sixty-five pitches. You have to get, you got to work to get through five innings. Robbie Cordeman didn't walk anybody. He gave up two hits, sixty-seven pitches through five innings. I mean, so he pushed up against that limit. But um, I I think the U.S. though JJ to me this is their best team they've had in the WBC because now you were three WBCs in. You know who you want. You know what kind of players you want. They did not. They didn't get the team A or even team B of their pitching staff. We'll see. I assume they're going to throw Derek Holland against Canada because you've got to throw are, a lefty. They've set it up. They've set it up that it's going to be Dickey for the first game. Holland will pitch against Canada, and then Vogelsong. Vogelsong will go uh, against uh, uh, Italy. Italy. Looks like. I mean, and I, I, I like that. I like. And then Gio Gonzalez is set up for the first if they advance right. to go to the first game of the next round. And I love. I love Ra Dickey as like a difference maker ace. Uh, that that's a crucial part of this. He might be the best starting pitcher in this whole tournament. And the fact that he's a knuckleballer facing guys who do not normally face knuckleballers is a giant advantage, too. Uh, absolutely. And it also makes it very crucial that JPR and Sebia, uh, he's one of the most important players in this tournament because he's going to catch Ari Dickey. A, that allows you to DH Maurer, who's your best left-handed mm-hmm. bat on this team. B, uh, you know, and Sebia has to do this for the Blue Jays in the regular season. But if when runners get on, JPR and Sebia better be up to that task. So he's a crucial player. Uh, I love the U.S. bullpen. Chris Medlin's probably the best relief pitcher in the world right now. And, uh, and Craig Kimbrell, you mean? Craig Kimbrell, Chris Medlin. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell is the best Chris relief Medlin's pitcher Chris Medlin's a really good starter. But. He is a really good starter, but Craig Kimbrell's the best relief pitcher in the world, and they have him. So I think the other thing that has to be said is, with all due respect to David Johnson and all due respect to Buck Martinez, Joe Torre, as manager here, I think makes a difference for the U.S., and he's already talking about he's not treating this like an all-star game. Everyone doesn't get to play. It's not Little League. This game actually does matter, unlike the all-star game, to him and to all the players there. So it doesn't have to matter to all the fans. As long as it matters to the players and they play close to their potential in spring training mode, I like the U.S. chances to advance. And I still think I like Mexico's chances to go number two, and I really do think losing Russ Martin and his right-handed bat, not to mention his wonderful shortstop chops, Really hurts Canada. Well, I just we, think it hurts we, their, we just their talked bat. about We just talked about how having a shortstop is so crucial in these in these tournaments. And if you said of all the teams left, who's, who's worst at shortstop? Canada. And that's the crazy thing is that if Russ Martin had just tried to play third base and Brett Laurie had agreed to play shortstop, if any team's going to let someone play out of position, it's Canada's team. And Brett Laurie, I, I don't think third base and shortstop are all that different. So why you don't just move him to short? and play Russ Martin at third base, that would seem doable. But instead, Russ the, Martin had this crazy notion to play shortstop. The other interesting thing I, I do want to see is, is how Canadian, how Canada's pitching sets up. Because Sean I, Hill. Sean Hill. Jamison Tyone. I, the funny thing is is that this is one of those things. 
I, I know I we get we're prospect heavy. You know, we we we're prospect focused a lot of times. But for I, I mean, it, it's a it's one of the Jameson Tyone to me is the wild card because yeah. he could go out there and not make it out of the first. Correct. You know, it it could go poorly, or he could go out there and you turn around and go, wow, he just gave us four. You know, at the end of the fourth, you know, right. no runs. You can't see him going five efficient innings. No. like a thirty-eight-year-old. No, I and see you can't four. see him going four and. Just the lift that seems like it gives teams when you get a good star, when you get four good innings. Uh, most of the t- teams seem to win in these turn in this tournament so far. We haven't seen late inning comebacks, uh, bullpen blowing stuff. We're seeing and except for g- games where the losing and blowing of the bullpen doesn't really matter. That's right. And Team China, and that was Hong Chi Kuo. Yep. <laughs> that was Hong Chi Kuo blowing it for Taiwan in a game where d- as long as they didn't blow it by eight, they were okay. So, um, and then pull uh, pull CJJ out in uh, Puerto Rico. I'm with you. I. So I, I think Canada's – we'll see how their pitching works out. You know, I like Andrew Albers. Uh, I, don't, I, I wonder if Canada – I just think they're so unbalanced. And the U.S. especially has plenty of left-handers in the bullpen. I just think it's going to be really tough for lefty, Canada to lefty, beat. Lefty, followed by a lefty, followed by yeah, a lefty. Yeah, I think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be tough for Team Canada to beat the U.S. Brett Lowry has to be huge. And I think it's going to be – that he does have to be huge. And I think, you know, Justin Morneau and Joey Votto have to be huge. These are good big league hitters. I mean, Joey Votto – on the short list. When he's healthy, he's on the short list of best hitters on the planet. I oh, mean, yeah. so he can handle left-handed pitchers, but he needs some help. So I, I think it's going to be tough for Canada. I think the winner of Canada-Mexico advances. I give a slight edge to Mexico, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I, I think Mexico got closer to its best team than, than Canada did. Right. I think the Canadian lineup is better. Yeah, that's more left-handed, admittedly, but I think it's better. Yeah. That being said, the Mexico pitching – Especially if they get Gallardo. I think it's better. very good. I think it's very good. If they don't get Gallardo, all bets are off. But uh, Pool C, JJ, uh, yeah, I think we both actually picked the – you picked the Dominican to win the whole thing, didn't you, I in did. the podcast? I picked the United States. Is that who I picked? You did. I picked the United States. I can't even remember. That was a long I, I, I feel good. I feel good about the fact that neither of us picked any coming, coming out of Pool A or B because having I seen do. them now, this is – I do think that in this tournament, Pool C and D is the stronger pools. I agree. I think the Western countries – uh, which don't give as much, uh, you know, which don't focus as much on the WBC are better um, th- this year, this time around, than they were in the past. The Dominican bullpen just looks ridiculous. Filthy. And it's, it actually kind of got better without the, with Jose Valverde dropping out. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember who replaced him, but they got better without Papa Grande. <laughs> Addition by subtraction. How do you say that in Espanol? Um, can Venezuela win this, JJ? They have the best lineup, but without Felix Hernandez, can they win with a Carlos Zambrano? Um, Annabelle Sanchez, you know, kind of rotation. If they do, and they're K-Rod taking, out of the bullpen. If they do, they're taking the Korean approach from this year and, they are. and amping it up a little bit. They're the Korea of the West. Right. They're basically saying we have a lineup that can bash our way. That, that that's making Miguel Cabrera to be the lead de ho of Venezuela. He's, He's a little better athletic. than that. <laughs> He's a little better than that. So, but they probably wear the same size pants. So, um, I, I, I'm I'm all in on Venezuela and the Dominican advancing out of. Pool I think C. so too. Um, I think Puerto Rico, it just you know, they went older, but and I wouldn't have gone older if I were Puerto Rico. I would have gone. I would have gone the Brazil route and gone hyper young. But the thing about it is, is that picking a winner for this is almost impossible because you can try, but and the we re- must. But and we must. But the reality is, is that it's the first two rounds. To me, once you get you know, and I'm I'm harsh on Team USA, harsher than you about as far as like them failing to meet expectations. But I do agree that if you make it to the semifinals, at that point, single elimination, almost anything can happen. Yes. It's getting out of these first two rounds is where 
Because the reality is, is that you don't have to win the first two rounds. Right. You just have to, you have to be one of the top two. Yeah, you have to win or place. You don't have to show. I mean, you don't show, but you don't have to win either. Right. And for that, to me, like for me, to t- for Team USA, if they fail to make the semifinals, massive disappointment. No doubt, they're seven and seven all time. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Brian I know McCann's what, played left field. I, I mean, know what's passed doesn't have to be prologue, but the United States are seven and seven all time in WBC games, and they've had trouble with Mexico in the past, and. Uh, we, we, yeah, we, we talked about that to great extent on our last podcast. Yeah, so I, to me, um, the, the, the factor that the biggest factor in the Dominican's favor is the Dominican Republic has an incredible bullpen, tremendous depth of, in its bullpen, and not the greatest outfield in the world. Um, you know, basically, Nelson Cruz and solid. a lot of other guys, but the infield is outrageous. Hanley Ramirez, Robinson Cano, Edwin Encarnacion, Eric Ibar, I'm leaving out a shortstop. Um, and Venezuela's infield is redonkulous. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, Marco Scudero, Azdrubal Cabrera, Elvis Andrews, Pablo Sandoval. I mean, it's it's just sick. Um, so those teams should advance out of Pool C. And then, you know, the thing is, do both of those teams advance? And the next round of Miami, can the United States – the United States is going to have to beat one of those teams. If it advances out of Pool D, if the U.S. comes out of Phoenix, they're going to have to beat either Venezuela or the Dominican or both to advance to the mm-hmm. semifinals and finals. And, and that's going to be a challenge. But I would take my chances with Ari Dickey and Gio Gonzalez. I, I like my chances with those two guys oh, we, we, we and Ryan Vogelsong. Getting Gio Gonzalez as a consolation prize is a, is a fascinating consolation prize because it's not a consolation prize. Like, wow, he, that's, he, led, he led the majors and wins last year. That may be their best. You know, if you pick of their entire starting pitching staff, who would I want to have most? It would be Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I take Dickey over him, but it's close. I mean, it's possible already Dickey was a fluke last year. I, mean, I don't think he was. No, because he's been good before that. I mean, it was like the year before right. that he was still very good. But right. that being said, a knuckleballer, it's always a little frightening because it's flighty. It's the definition of flighty. Right. Whereas with Gio Gonzalez, you say, okay, power. You know. Yeah, a left-hander with two plus pitches. I mean, that's the way you draw him up. So, And, obviously, he's of Cuban uh, descent. So, uh, in a different world, he'd be on the Cuban passport team, perhaps, uh, with Carlos Rodon and Jose Fernandez. Yeah, uh, pretty, Car- good, pretty good Car- staff. Carlito would no, still no, be my Arlos number Chapman's one. Like, um, he's back in the bullpen. Carlito's my number one. You can take your Carlos – you can take your Aroldis Albert- uh, Chapman. I'll, I'll, I'll see your Chapman and rage your Carlito. So, uh, we're geeked about it. We'll probably podcast more about the WBC coming up. Uh, in the coming weeks, and J.J., uh, have a fun trip down in Phoenix. I'm looking forward to it. For J.J. Cooper, he's at J.J. Coop 36. I'm at John Manuel B.A. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.